the Fantasy Football Beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I'm Scott Allen. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and not to say that this has been a tough stretch for Eli Manning, but he's not even allowed to have football on his phone anymore. Hi, I'm Jeff Dooley, and uh, that's a great reference, Des. Uh, Geno <laughs> Smith not getting a lot of fantasy uh, waiver wire love this week, surprisingly enough. Oh, I'm going to have that song in my head for the rest of the show, I think. <laughs> it's football on your phone. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Cue that up, please. Tough to watch Eli in the locker room talking about his uh, 210 consecutive game streak ending that certainly some of the biggest news of the week, maybe not necessarily from a fantasy perspective. If you're starting Eli Manning, if you've been <laughs> starting him all year, you're probably out of the playoff hunt, which means you're probably not listening to this show, which also means you probably have bigger problems. But it is a nice segue into this week's big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. The big idea this week is you should not be afraid to bench some of your fantasy studs this week. And I'm going to start off with a doozy, Kareem Hunt. Wow. Wow. Yes. Uh, I'm not saying you have to have to bench him. You know, it all depends on your roster. If you've got nothing else at running back, you fine, roll them out there. I mean, I know sometimes you know that could be a, a position that gets ravaged by injuries. I'm just saying he's not a must-start by any means. I, in fact, I have him ranked 26 at running back this week. So that means... Woof. Yeah, so you know, not even necessarily uh, a running back, too. That puts him kind of in the flex conversation. But you know, if you're in a league that starts two wide receivers and a flex, I mean, you could, you could probably try out three wide receivers there. I mean, basically, the, we still think of Kareem Hunt as this top-notch running back based on that incredible start to the season he's had. But we now have m- many, many weeks in a row where he's been relatively, if not completely useless, certainly not very good and, 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 a, and a not a fantasy asset at all. Just to go over a couple of stats here, he averaged 122 rushing yards per game in his first five games. Since then, he's only rushed for 47 yards per game over his last six games, so that's a longer stretch, and he hasn't scored a touchdown since week three. He hasn't reached 80 total yards in his past four games, and he's the RB42 in that stretch. And this, so this is like, you know, that's not nothing. I mean, it's not the biggest sample size either. And uh, if you take away, you know, if you factor in bye weeks and you just go by per game scoring, he's RB40 over his past four weeks. He's the RB25 since week six, right? So, again, right. we're talking about a guy that's not in the top 25 of running backs since week six. So absolutely not a must start. Yeah, I feel like the advice that we kind of give for most of the year is, you know, Go with the guys that you drafted high. If you spend a, an early round pick on somebody, of course you're going to start him. You know that's the advice for earlier in the year. Start your studs is a Matthew Berry catchphrase. Yes, I yes. yes. But, and, and it's, it is for a reason. And Kareem Hunt is a completely different case because he was not drafted as a guy that I think a lot of people was going to be a stud. Certainly not to the level that he performed in the first two weeks. But I think as Des kind of alluded to, there's this, there's this attachment to him based on just how spectacular he was those first two weeks that he is thought of as a stud, I would argue, you know, this is not a case of going against the start your stud mentality, except for those first few weeks. Like you said, he hasn't been one. Right. And, and, we're, and we're getting into week 13, you know, which is a, a do or die week for so many fantasy players. It's the end of the fantasy regular season in most leagues. So you might think like now's not the time to get cute. You know, Kareem Hunt has had a lot to do with getting me this far. No way am I bringing to the bench right now. Yeah. But I'm suggesting maybe you should really think about that. 
Yeah, and you made the point, as it's all about who else you have in your lineup. Uh, you know, th- there are examples of guys who have really come on later in the season that you might also you might have on your roster in addition to Kareem Hunt, uh, who have done really well. You know, even guys like you know Dion Lewis is a very intriguing fantasy name right now and has been pretty reliable the last few weeks. Um, guys you could have gotten later on, even Jamal Williams in Green Bay. Right. Uh, is or or Rex Burkett. You could, I have right, two yeah. Patriots ranked ahead of him. Yeah, well, and good luck sorting out which one <laughs> to, to start, by the way, Des. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan is a guy you could have had as recently as a couple yep, weeks yep. ago. So uh, I, I think I advise not picking him up uh, <laughs> right, right before he went for 100 yards. So um, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you. I think this week against the Jets, it would not surprise me at all if he has a big game. Uh, his deterioration in performance has not been has not been an issue of his own individual performance. He's still breaking a ton of tackles. Uh, he's doing plenty on his own. What's happened is the the Chiefs' offense has imploded. Now, obviously, that's a very concerning factor when yeah. you're talking about a running back's fantasy value. I just think the potential for a bounce back performance is definitely there with him. Uh, it's not the not the strongest opponent uh, going up against the Jets, and so I'd have to feel really good about my two or three other options to put him on the bench, but depends on, on who you've got. Maybe you, you ended up with Alvin Kamara on your team, and you know, you've got some of these other guys. So uh, I agree with the premise, Des. Uh, totally depends on the situation. I would not be surprised if he bounces back this week. I mean, it's, it's not the easiest matchup. Uh, the Jets have allowed running backs just 74.6 yards per game since Week 7. That's the, the, the position. So every running back in every game they've faced, they've allowed just one uh, touchdown to the position in that span. That doesn't take into account quarterback play, including sort of Cam Newton last week. But they've been a fairly tough defense against the run. Uh, you know, we mentioned Matthew Berry a moment ago. Uh, I happened to catch a, a video clip of his. He noted that the Chiefs have only scored eight offensive touchdowns in six games since week six. They're the only team in the NFL with no rushing touchdowns since week five. Uh, he also mentioned that Hunt is 40th in the NFL in yards before contact since week six. He was third in the first five games. And yards before contact is really a measure of offensive line play. So then, again, that speaks to kind of you know, what, what Jeff said, the implosion there in Kansas City. So it's not all Kareem Hunt's fault, but at the same time, yeah. You know, we have to we have to factor that in if we want to start if we want to start him. You know, Alex Smith has has kind of reverted to being Alex Smith again. He started off the season being this aggressive quarterback that we'd never seen before. He's pretty much stopped throwing downfield. So defenses are cheating up into the into the box to stop the run. Andy Reid himself said that after the Bills game. He said the Bills put an extra man in the box last week, and they're going to keep doing that until the Chiefs um, make them pay. You know, and and the, the the fact that like the Bills shut them down. The Bills. You know, we talked last week about. I mentioned the Jags' run defense being so much better after the Bills traded the Marcel Darius. Right. Well, the flip side of that is that the Bills' rushing defense had been awful. And then they go to Kansas City last week and completely and utterly shut down the Chiefs, including Kareem Hunt. You know, that performance last week, 11 rushes for 17 yards, one catch for nine yards for Kareem Hunt. That might be, you know, that might, that'll probably be rock bottom. But at the same time, that's an indication that he can't be trusted. And the other thing we saw in that game was when the Chiefs fell behind, we saw a lot of Sharkandrick West. So we're not even seeing Kareem Hunt in all situations, right? right? And now at the Jets, who have you know a halfway decent offense, like it's not inconceivable the Chiefs could fall behind again, and you then you can't even be sure that Kareem Hunt's going to be on the field. Well, the other issue with with Hunt has been pass protection too. Is like he's been a liability there. So does he have to come off the field in some of the passing situations? He's he flashes a pass catcher early on. Uh, so I do think that's a factor. One other name I want to throw out here, guys, Dak Prescott. He's showing up in some. Of, I've seen some rankings where he's like twentieth or or lower. Uh, in fantasy football quarterback rankings this week, what do you do with him if he's been your starter all year, coming off a couple of rocky performances? 
Yeah, I, I think he's absolutely benchable. He's been terrible. We, we mentioned him briefly last week. He's been terrible. He had another terrible game on Thanksgiving. Three straight games of less than 180 yards passing, no touchdowns in that span, five interceptions. I mean, it's just rough. You know, apparently Ezekiel Elliott means a lot more to that offense than any of his detractors you know, might have thought. You might have thought, oh, with that offensive line, anybody could kind of run behind it. They can pass block. But it's not the same performance there. Uh, and that, and the, cor- the corollary to Dak Prescott's struggles is Des Bryant. This is another stud. Yeah. Uh, a would-be stud, very much worth benching. Uh, I have him ranked 27th at, at wide receiver this week, so lots of guys I, w- I would start ahead of him. Yeah, n- not a great matchup this week for Des Bryant against Josh Norman, who has had success against him. That'll right. be a matchup that a lot of people are watching right. on And who talked so much smack in those commercials. <laughs> so he's got to live up to it now, right? The commercials <laughs> are, are very confusing. Yeah, they are a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of those. But the, the Redskins passing defense as a whole, kind of middling statistically for the year. They've made Case Keenum look great. At the same time, they've, they've shut down Derek Carr, who hasn't had the best year. Obviously, their performance against Eli Manning, Manning or maybe Manning's performance against them last week kind of led to his his benching the last straw. Des, we know how you feel about Kareem Hunt and, and Dak Prescott and Des Bryant. Who are some other names, some studs or former studs that you would recommend at least consider benching this week? Well, a name that I got to throw out there is T.Y. Hilton. And, and any of his owners knows he's been very up and down. I, I just think it's amazing how up and down he's been, and really much more down than up. It's just like when he's good, he's extremely good, and when he's bad, he's horrendous. Uh, and c- given that they're, they're at the Jaguars this week, I right. don't think he's going to be very good. So you know where I have him ranked at wide receiver? I'll give each, each of you one guess. All right, good, you, this is good radio. You, you first, Scott. <laughs> uh, 30. Okay, 30. Jeff? I'm going to go uh, maybe with 34. Right. I have him ranked 56 at Whoa. wide receiver. <laughs> Okay, I know. Here's here's my. That's insane. Yeah, it sounds insane, doesn't it? Here's my <laughs> it logic. Does. Here are his PPR in PPR formats, which is what we default to. Here are his weekly finishes since week one: 50, 39, 6, 57, 5, 67, 48, 51, 61, 68. If you do the math a little bit there, <laughs> apart from his three big games, in in, in his other do eight you want me games, to get a calculator in his, days? no <laughs> average definitely. In, his, in, in T.Y. Hilton's non-humongous games, in right. the other eight games where he was terrible, right. he's averaging a wide receiver 55 finish. Okay, so That's his average finish when he's not going crazy. Yeah. And he's at Jacksonville, so do we think he's probably going crazy? Probably not going to go crazy no, against no, Jalen Ramsey. Exactly, probably not. <laughs> Ask Larry Fitzgerald. He's been the overall wide receiver 41 since week six. So, I mean, you tell me. Like, I'm forecasting a bad game. He was at home last week against the Titans. He only had two catches for 15 yards. I mean, you, you could hardly have a, a better matchup than that. You know, it's just so it's just amazing with him how feast or famine he's been. Obviously, and again, it's not all his fault. Jacoby Brissett's in there, not Andrew Luck. Brissett's had some decent moments, but clearly is having trouble throwing the ball to anybody uh, not named Jack Doyle. So I am most definitely uh, advising people not to start T.Y. Hilton this week. And look, if he has a good game, fine. You, you've gotten some reassurance then that maybe it's cap- he's capable right. of doing that. But if past performance is any indication, this is a major, major stay away this week. I think the point is, it's like don't be uh, don't be afraid. Uh, based on who else you have on your roster to sit some of these guys down. If you if you got Dak Prescott, you don't have another viable quarterback option. You know, it's reasonable to think he could get you a solid performance on, in a Thursday night game. You know, the, the game's always – those ones always end up a little bit weird. Uh, at least both teams have a full week of prep. But, uh, you know, you might want to keep him in there. But if you've, if you've got someone else on your roster you feel comfortable with, maybe like a Tyrod Taylor or something like that, don't be afraid to sit him down uh, just based on how he's playing right now. 
Yeah, it, it no longer matters that you got T.Y. Hilton in the second round and maybe oh, yeah. you picked up Jamison Crowder off of waivers right. three weeks ago. You're right. starting Crowder this week, no I, question. I would start Doncho Inman over T.Y. Hilton, okay? That's where we are with 50, this. He's 55, it, do you, 54 do you mind on your list? Just reading through 1 through 55 <laughs> yeah, exactly. on your list. That, so. Speaking of good radio, that would be fantastic. <laughs> the thing is, like, a guy like Inman, like, I'm more confident that I can get eight points out of him. You know, like... Yeah. Y- 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 like Hilton, Hilton, what, what if you need Hilton Mary? If you're projected to lose by 30, maybe right. you put Hilton yes. in just saying, you know. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But that's where he is. He's in the complete and utter Hail Mary. I'm, I, th- I think I'm a huge underdog in my matchup this week, and I want the upside of maybe getting that 25-point game. Hilton, much more likely to do that. If you just kind of want to get the points and not get killed at that spot, you know, there are tons of guys I'd rather have ahead of him. Let's mention one more guy, uh, Devontae Freeman. Uh, reports this week that he's going to come back from his concussion. He, he sat out last week. He's been in the protocol, but apparently he's been practicing. He's feeling much better. I still likely, I would not want to start him this week. Let's put it that way. Partly because of the re- possible recurrence of the concussion. I think that's a, a very scary situation and certainly not one to be taken lightly. But I think when players have, you know, players have been forced to sit out a, a game and their, and their concussion protocol is lingering into another week, that's a little bit scary. There was a report by, you know, the Panthers linebacker, uh, Thomas Davis, said that, that Freeman had had a concussion in the previous right. game. That wasn't even reported. Now, maybe he was, you know, he deleted the tweet where he said that. Who knows what was said to him about that. But, you know. It, Thomas Davis is the next guest in our yeah, segment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's possible that Freeman's had more concussions that we don't even know about. Uh, part of it is matchup based, though. The Vikings are the uh, stingiest uh, fantasy defense to running backs. They haven't allowed 100 total rushing yards to the position in any game this season. And Tevin Coleman has been not, spectac- not spectacular, but pretty solid in the three games uh, as the main running back there, uh, which, is, which happens to have coincided with the Falcons' best offensive stretch of the season. So I don't know if they want to make right. any huge changes at this point. Well, and Coleman's got a little bit more explosiveness, too. I mean, I think the, uh, the ideal is they're both running and running well. Uh, Freeman, maybe there's a little bit more of a reliability factor there. He's been around longer. He's also probably got a little bit more of a power element, but Freeman, you know, he's... He's more of the big play guy. He's a matchup, uh, matchup weapon if you split him out. And so I, I do think it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the season it's really, you know, uh, Tevin Coleman has become the one and Freeman's more of the 1A. Yeah, I mean, Freeman is better in the passing game. He's a better receiver. And so you might see an arrangement more like that where he becomes shifts into a little bit more of the passing downs role. You know, and he really hasn't even been an RB1 even before he was before he got injured. I mean, in, you're looking, I'm looking at his game stats from the previous few weeks before uh, – the game in which he got hurt, and I mean, he has 11 carries, 46 yards. He has basically like 65 total yards there. Again, 61 total yards, 75. So yeah, like really hasn't put up like RB1 numbers in quite a while. So, you know, uh, kind of a stay. I mean, I know like you drafted him to be one of your top running backs, and now that he's back healthy and ready to play, you might want to put him in your lineup. I'm thinking like, think twice about that. I assume Freeman is higher than Hilton in your flex rankings this week? (laughs) Teeny bit higher, yeah. I don't have Freeman down at, at running back 55. Stock watch. Stock watch. All right, Des, you've got an interesting list of guys on the upswing this week, starting with the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Exactly. I mean, how how could he not be stock up in in my book here? I mean, the the powers that be have deemed him have already said his stock is up. So I'm just going along with it. And we're talking about Philip Rivers, the Chargers quarterback who absolutely ransacked the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. 434 yards passing, excuse me, completed 81.8% of his passes, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, passer rating of 149.1. What a good game he had. It's not just that. He's thrown at least two touchdowns in each of his past three games, and now he gets the Browns. 
So it's pretty much stock up for any player who's about to face the Browns. Like that's that's a good matchup for almost everybody, uh, especially in the passing game. I mean, Rivers has come on strong of late. He was QB 15 two weeks ago. Now he's QB 11 on the season. And Keenan Allen is looking like a real asset in that passing game. So that that sets everything else in motion. When you have that stud wide receiver, then it didn't, you know then maybe Hunter Henry has a good game. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe Tyrell Tyrell Williams has a good game. Maybe not. But someone else will step up and be that ancillary member of the passing attack. Chargers might be a playoff team. Right. They look like the best team in the AFC West yeah. right Started now. For sure. 0-4. Yeah, they yeah. M- they might end up winning that division. I mean, the Chiefs are in free fall as we discussed. They sure are. They got a lot to play for, and and the Browns usually that's a soft uh, soft landing there. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the Chargers better. It would be very Chargers ish for them to like fall on their faces <laughs> that's this exactly week, right. you know. But they really should win this game pretty pretty handily, and Phil Rivers should be able to throw the ball uh, all over the field. Speaking of throwing the ball, who else do you have looking up, Des? Right. Well, speaking of throwing the ball, Jimmy Garoppolo is supposed to get the start. Uh, I'm not it's so much focused on him right now, although it, it, it's hard to be more stock up than going from the bench to starting, so there is that. I'm looking at Marquise Goodwin, the 49ers wide receiver, top guy there. You know, we talked about T.Y. Hilton being super boomer busty and mostly busty. Marquise Goodwin is one of those smallish, outside, deep threat guys who you think like would kind of be feast or famine. He's been more consistent, really, than, than expected. He has at least 68 yards receiving in four of his past, past five games and five of his past seven, and in one of those games, in the, the one game out of his past five where he wasn't good, he, he came in there questionable with a back injury, so maybe we give him a pass on that. He has at least five targets in five of his past seven games, and they're at the Bears, which is not, you know, that's not ideal, but the Bears have allowed over 40, 40 fantasy points to wide receivers in their past two games. That was against the Lions and Eagles, so much better passing attacks, but again, you know, who knows? Maybe the Niners, you know, have a bit, will have a better passing attack with Garoppolo. Either way, Marquise Goodwin, a uh, more consistent player than I, I think a lot of people might realize. Sean Lee of the Cowboys not expected to play in Thursday night's game, and that is a good thing for one Redskin in particular, does. Yeah, Samaje Piran, who you know was in sort of a prove-it situation last week. He'd come in the previous week against the Saints, put up over 100 yards. It was like, okay, you know, let's, let's see that again before we can start really sort of trusting you. Does it again, 24 carries for 100 yards, catches three balls for 30 yards against the Giants. That's very encouraging if he's going to get some use in the passing game because not the best hands <laughs> imaginable. So he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry in that span. And then, yeah, you know, the, uh, the schedule the rest of the way for the Redskins, really not bad. Three of their next five games are against defenses ranked 24th or worse in yards per carry allowed. That's including the Cowboys this coming week and also the Chargers and the Giants. And the other two... Um, the Cardinals and Denver are tougher against the run, but they have struggling offenses. So the Redskins, you figure, will be able to hang around in those games. And as long as the, the, you know, they're hanging around or even ahead, Piran's going to get the ball a lot. So definitely like the arrow pointing up for him. Well, once Chris Thompson went out, it, there was nobody else in that position. Byron Marshall's been uh, getting some, some credit for his ability to come in and sort of quickly assimilate himself into the offense. But he's not someone they can give you know, a substantial workload to. Uh, so he's all they got left, and I think that they seem to be sort of gaining some trust there. And so uh, just on volume alone, he's become a, a pretty pretty big uh, deal in fantasy. Who's trending down for you this week, Des? All right, let's start with Jay Ajayi, another NFC East running back. Uh, you know, when he got traded to Philadelphia, there were a range of, poss- range of possibilities, in there, and it may still turn out better for him. But right now, you know, you look at his carries uh, – He's played three games in Philadelphia, and his carries have gone eight to seven to five. Now, he, he papered over that in his first couple of games with a couple of big runs. So his yardage in his first few games on the ground was 77 to 91. You like that. But now it went to 26 yards on five carries in the previous game. In those three games, he's only caught two balls for 17 yards. You know, and we've seen LeGarrette Blunt be, uh, still be very effective there. While J.H.I. was doing almost nothing in their pass game, Blunt had 15 carries for 97 yards. 
He's had 13 and 9 carries in the other game, so he's been getting the ball much more than J.H.I., and that's not even counting Corey Clement, who has 24 touches in that span. So really, it really is a committee there and probably a hot hand situation, and we've seen that LeGarrette Blunt can get that hot hand and really dominate the work. So, First of all, I don't think we, we track this here, but J.H.I. might be the most commonly <laughs> cited name in stock down all season long. He's been, <laughs> he's, true. He was stock up only when he went to the Eagles. <laughs> right. The rest of the season, he's always been stock down. It's yeah. been sort of a disappointing year for anyone who drafted him in fantasy. Really disappointing, yeah. It does seem as though the Eagles are really preserving him because I, I, I don't think there's any question. He's the most talented back there, um, and, and they traded for him for a reason, so... Uh, LeGarrette Blunt lost two fumbles in that game, and then still they kept running the ball with him. So I, I got to think, uh, you know, if you're playing fantasy in the playoffs, yeah. playing a fantasy game, J.H.I. might be a guy you want, but it's only going to, the games are only going to get more and more meaningless for the Eagles who have run away with the, the NFC East. Exactly. They could clinch the NFC East with a Redskins win on Thursday. Um, so if, if I am an Ajayi owner, really, if I'm a Wentz owner, if I'm an Alshon Jeffrey owner, I'm rooting for a high-scoring game that the Seahawks somehow win right. because there's a legitimate chance that come week 16, which is the, the fantasy football final for a lot of leagues, the Eagles could have already wrapped up home field advantage with absolutely nothing to play for. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's definitely worth mentioning that the Eagles are at the Seahawks. That's another reason to be down on, on all the Eagles running backs this week. The Seahawks one of the toughest uh, defense against running backs, especially since week four when they really started uh, becoming a stone wall there. Uh, let's go to another running back. Jarek McKinnon at the Falcons. Latavius Murray has really sort of passed him by as the top running back there. Over his past three games, uh, McKinnon has no more than 60 total yards and no touchdowns. So you're getting very little out of him, even as a flex play. Uh, he, he's getting the ball. He has no fewer than 12 touches in that span, but he's not really getting the uh, passing looks. you know. And then that, that was one of his real advantages over Latavius Murray was he was going to get uh, work in the passing game, and that can be very lucrative for running backs. But he has just eight total receptions for 58 yards. Uh, and part of that is because the Vikings are winning all these games. I mean, if you're winning, you know, you're that much, you're that much less likely to need to sling the ball around the field. Uh, you know, the other thing is, even when, he's, even when McKinnon's been carrying the ball, he's been less efficient than Murray, which I don't think is something we would have predicted uh, a few weeks ago. He's averaging 2.8 yards per carry in his past three games. I know Christopher Harris told us yards per carry is meaningless and a ludicrous stat. I'm going to trot it out anyway because I'm like that. Um, Latavius Murray <laughs> is averaging 4.8 yards per carry with four touchdowns. You know, clearly the the uh, better fantasy asset, and so and McKinnon I think is falling out of the, even the flex conversation. So you know, it's possible at Atlanta that uh, the Falcons, like we've mentioned, have been much better on offense. Maybe the Vikings are due for a lousy game, and if the Falcons do take a lead here, it's very possible we see a lot more McKinnon. But just based on on recent history, uh, you know, it, it's hard to trust him as a start. Yeah, Murray's really developed into a fantasy starter, which we, we would definitely would not have said a few weeks ago. How about one more guy headed toward T.Y. Hilton territory, Des? Oof. Well, yeah, I mean, Devontae Parker uh, definitely headed toward T.Y. Hilton territory, playing the Broncos, who haven't been as outrageously tough on pass attacks as they happen in the past, but it's more it's more to do with Parker. I mean, it was past four games. His receiving yardage has gone from 76 to 66 to 26 to 5. His catches have gone 5, 6, 4, then 1. In this last game, he got dinged for his effort. I mean, there was one interception in the end zone. They, play, they were playing the Patriots. Stephon Gilmore looked like the only one of those two who was interested in actually catching the ball. Uh, and out of uh, Parker's three targets, another, ca- another pass toward him was intercepted as well. So out of his three targets, he caught one for five, and the other two went for interceptions. You know, it's, it's just a rough stretch for him. And actually, Dolphins offensive coordinator Clyde Christensen said that Parker has lost his confidence. 
So you don't like to hear that <laughs> in any situation. He, he, he kind of like said, okay, he's also been dinged up, and maybe if he gets healthier, he'll do more down the stretch. But right now, again, I'm, I, I don't think you can start Parker with any sort of confidence. Yeah, I've got a, a PFF stat for you guys. Yards per pass route run. There you go. Uh, Devontae Parker currently eighth worst in the entire NFL among qualified re- qualifying receivers. That's eighth worst out of 89. Okay, so that, not a good sign for a guy who we yeah. thought could have been a breakout candidate. Uh, I'm seeing some comparisons with Sammy Watkins in terms of sort of like fantasy potential and then unfulfilled potential. Uh, sort of, this has been a couple years running now with Parker. So uh, he, he's someone I had some some pretty high hopes for coming into the season. I think he probably ended up getting way overdrafted, uh, certainly based on how he's played. Value pick. All right, my value pick for this week, Rex Burkhead, running back of the Patriots. They've got the Bills this week. Uh, look, New England backfield, we say it every show, you know, trying to unlock that mystery is, is definitely difficult. Burkhead's a guy who was probably still available in most leagues as recently as, as a, a handful of weeks ago. Uh, but he's really sort of take, taken on an increased role in the offense. It really just seems like he's got the trust of, of the, the play calling there and of Tom Brady. Um, again, the, the Patriots offense is a mystery. I just think he's a very versatile guy and that like he can get some of the goal line carries. Uh, it seems like he and Deion Lewis are splitting those. Mike Gillisley is out of the equation completely, it seems. Uh, but he's also the pass-catching guy, so especially in PPR formats. Um, if you've got him, you probably picked him up to sort of stash at the end of the roster. He's someone you can start this week and feel pretty confident doing so. That's exactly what I did a few weeks ago. Burkhead was available on my, on my waiver wire. I already had Deion Lewis, and for the last few weeks I've been starting the wrong one, it seems. <laughs> and this reminds me, Des, I mean, you mentioned, I think, last week or a couple weeks ago, with Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, you were actually going to start both. I think this week and maybe going forward, I might throw either Burkhead or Lewis into my flex and start the other one at RB2. But do you have T.Y. Hilton and, <laughs> and Kareem Hunt? He's on my, he's on my bench after that first segment. Des, who is your value pick this week? I'm going to go with Corderell Patterson. Uh, Michael Crabtree has been suspended just one game, but that'll be this game against the Giants, uh, reduced to, from two to one. Amari Cooper, I don't think is going to play. He's in the concussion protocol. He also has a sprained ankle. Just seems like they'll probably sit him out uh, in a game that they should win uh, against at home against the Giants. Um, so that le- assuming that Crabtree and Cooper don't play, uh, the, ben- the likely beneficiaries in the passing game uh, come from among Seth Roberts, Corderell Patterson, Johnny Holton. Of those three, Roberts played by far the most snaps the previous week, and then Johnny Holton was next, and then it was Patterson. However, Patterson had the most targets out of that group, catches and yards, hit 72 yards, and he had a huge 54-yard play late in the fourth quarter that kind of sealed the game for the Raiders. And it was a remi- he, he was breaking tackles, looked big and strong out there, and it was kind of a reminder of his sort of freakish talent. You know, and, and he's much bigger than the other two guys. He might also get the ball in running plays. And I just think this is a bit of a, a shot-in-the-dark sort of play, but if you're desperate at wide receiver – you know, or in DFS, DFS, he'd be a nice uh, tournament play, I think, because I think he actually has a really good shot here to get, even if he gets only like five or six pass targets, to do something huge on at least one of them. Well, and you mentioned that they use him out of the backfield at times, and obviously he has the pass catching ability there. So he, he's definitely, it, certainly a long shot, but he's an intriguing talent. Raiders also still in the playoff mix in the AFC yep. West. What, probably <laughs> maybe the most right. interesting uh, division battle at, at this point. So they've got plenty to play for. Uh, Giants, some dysfunction there. So. I like it. Just a little bit. Yeah, a teeny bit. My value pick was all the rage on social media this week. Did you see the video of Zay Jones levitating after falling down last week against the Chiefs? I have. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? 
half the time I watch it and it looks like it's totally normal. And then the other half, it's like a magic eye or something. It looks like it's a something. glitch, right? It looks like something, you've cut out some segment of this clip where he's able to, maybe this is how he exercises, I don't know. It's, it's very but unusual. That's that's. I'm going to be honest, that kind of led into this week's pick. I think he might have some some special powers you there. Think maybe magical. Maybe due for a good week because he only has seven catches. It's certainly not a stat. He's only got seven catches the last two weeks um, for one touchdown. That came after he missed missed a game with a knee injury after having kind of a breakout game against the Jets. I just think that, you know, against that Patriots defense, second worst against the pass this year, um, there are going to be opportunities for Zay Jones and with Tyrod Taylor back as the starter. We're rid of the Nathan Peterman experiment. I think he could be a value pick, maybe even well, better than Kel- T.Y. Hilton. Kelvin Benjamin, yeah. <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin might miss that game, too, so that would certainly lead to, you'd think, uh, making Zay Jones the obvious uh, number one target there and uh, Charles Clay has been uh, kind of hit or miss in, in his return from any injury. So, yeah, also, lo- lots of opportunity there. And sorry does, uh, to interrupt, there's also a reasonable possibility that the Bills are going to be trailing in that game and they're going to have to throw. And, <laughs> a very and, reasonable possibility, so, yes. So, yeah, there's, there's potential there. All right. We like Zay Jones. Fire beware. 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 Okay, Browns coach Hugh Jackson says he has big plans for your buyer beware this week, Des. Besides the fact that he's 0-11 and you're 12-0 in the post-fantasy football league, why should we trust you over him? Wow, am I really? Way to point that out. That's true. I am undefeated in the post-fantasy football league. You didn't know this? 12-0? I am seriously 12-0 in that league. I had no idea. So, I can't believe he right. hasn't bragged about really this in previous hoping, weeks. Well, I kind of don't want to jinx it. I really would. I really would <laughs> like to go through an, an un, a regular season undefeated, not to mention the playoffs. But I've never been in a league when someone's gone undefeated. Yeah, or even consider close. it jinxed. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't either. It's and, never happened. Oh, jeez. And it won't this time. Does that, does that work? And yeah. I'm, and I'm having. A, I'm having a good. Uh, <laughs> A good year in that league too. So maybe I was just I was focusing on me a little bit too much. Didn't mm-hmm. even look around at my competition. Yeah, that sounds it was right, right in front of me this whole time. Yep, yep. I know. I I, I re- I've been loath to really get into it on this podcast, but I know, I know exactly what Scott's doing. Way to go, thanks, Scott. Sure. How about your buyer beware pick? Yeah, let's just move on. Uh, so Josh Gordon. There is so much excitement about Josh Gordon. He's finally coming back to play, and then Hugh Jackson only stoked that fire, as you mentioned. He said he wants Gordon to play as much as possible. There's, that's couching it a little bit, so we'll see how much is quote-unquote possible in his return. You know, I, I, tend, I really want to temper expectations here. I mean, for God's sake, Josh Gordon hasn't played since December 2014, and he, hasn't, he wasn't good really since November uh, of that year. And, of course, his magical season was in 2013, so that is a long time to be away from football. You know, and, and we forget that. When we did last see him play in 2014, uh, he only played five games because he started that season on 10-game suspension. Then he ended the season on another suspension. In those five games, the first two, he got a ton of targets and was good. The next three, he really wasn't very effective. He had a total of nine catches for 108 yards and no touchdowns. So the last time we saw Josh Gordon play, he wasn't very effective, and it was three years ago. And he's playing for the Browns, who already have a number one wide receiver in Corey Coleman and have the rather inconsistent Deshaun Kaiser throwing the ball. I, look, I mean, he could come back and be as good as ever, but it's just really unlikely. I think that's all fair. I would also say, like, if you're considering starting Josh Gordon, like, you, you probably need a miracle, right? <laughs> I mean, th- yes. there's obviously not a lot of better wide receiver options on your roster. So I'd rather start T.Y. Hilton. Let d- me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so what number is Josh Gordon this week? And could <laughs> yeah. you list all the players before right, 50, and so we can consider? Let's, let's say 57. <laughs> I, I would say, uh, I, again, absolutely agree. Do I think it's possible that, you know, he gets some red zone work, that the rookie is is looking for clearly the most talented guy 
uh, rookie quarterback Deshaun Kaiser, rather clearly most talented guy in the receiving core. And Gordon, I, I, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising to me if perhaps he got a touchdown. But again, it's it, that's hail mary territory. Uh, watch how he does this week and 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 what form he's in, and and who knows, maybe fantasy playoffs you can give him a little run. I, I don't know. I mean, at this respective point in their careers, I would have to say Corey Coleman is the more talented guy, or the, the better guy, the more skillful guy, the better wide receiver, right? He's got to be. Maybe more productive. I'm just saying, you know, Gordon's a, a physical marvel. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. sort of what made, of him, made him so good. And that's I think true. I subscribe to the smoke him if you got him approach with Josh Gordon. If he's on your roster, start him. Is that, is that right, That's Scott? right. That's right. Let's we'll move on. You your buyer beware pick, Jeff. Sammy Watkins. I know my primary <laughs> job on this podcast is to talk up Sammy Watkins. Here we go. Uh, but now that he's finally coming off a decent game, he's again uh, starting for the Rams, a wide receiver in place of, of Robert Woods. Uh, this one's uh, w- this one's pretty simple. He's going up against the Cardinals. He's going to draw Patrick Peterson in coverage. Uh, obviously, not an ideal matchup. Uh, it does seem like Watkins is maybe becoming a little bit more of a factor in that offense. At least while Woods is out, uh, he's at least out for this uh, this coming week as well. Uh, but, but I still don't think you can trust him in, in fantasy. Uh, I would leave him on the bench unless you really uh, are up against it and don't have some better options. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's pretty straightforward. He's probably going to get Patrick Peterson, which probably means he won't do very well. And my buyer beware is Joe Mixon against the Steelers. I probably don't have the guts to leave him on my bench after he burned me with his career day last week, which came against the Browns, who we should add are not awful against the run. But the Steelers are better. This is a Monday night game. I just don't like the matchup, really. The ninth fewest points running backs allowed this season by Pittsburgh. And I think some other options like Latavius Murray, Alex Collins even against a weak uh, Lions defense are potentially better options than Mixon this week. Yeah, I, I'm in a league where I have Mixon, Burkhead, both Vikings backs, Murray, uh, and McKinnon. I'm gonna have to pick, you Roll know, the dice. Yeah, it's. I have no idea where to go with that. I could see, I could totally see Mixon playing well, and I could totally see him getting shut down. It's, who, he, who are your running backs in the post league? <laughs> where you're 12 and 0? Yeah, uh, mostly I've, I've been playing. Well, I drafted Le'Veon Bell. That was that was a good move by me. Uh, not David Johnson. That was where I had the number one pick, and I did not pick David Johnson. Thank God. Uh, and then I also drafted Mark Ingram. So. That's been working out pretty well for me. Okay, that's your one-two punch there. Yeah. I was looking for some, like, I don't know, jinx potential in there, but it <laughs> right. does seem reasonable to think, I think those, we've two, already done the job. those two are going to continue <laughs> to do really well. Well, you know, I may have jinxed myself because I dropped uh, – I had James Conner most of the season, then I got cute, dropped him for a couple speculative plays, was going to re-add him, and then I saw Mike Hume picked him up. Just to be a jerk, I think. So now I don't have James Conner. So Le'Veon Bell will probably get injured. What's Mike Hume? Sort of middling? Like He's not doing like well. four no. and eight. No, yeah, like exactly. That. He's not having a very good season. So what does he need James Conner for except to spite <laughs> me? So that's just, that's just, a reasonable point. Yeah, just so you no know, one, Mike. No one's picking up James <laughs> Conner right now. <laughs> Only Bell owners should pick him up, and I wanted to, and he's not there anymore. So thanks a lot, Mike. I know what you did. Pure spite. What to watch for. Besides Washington, D.C., whether your team goes 13-0 this week, Des, what are you watching on Sunday? All right. Look, we've, we've jinxed enough. I think the jinx has been put in place. Thank you. Uh, we talked about Eli Manning. We talked about the Giants a little bit. I'm definitely going to be watching Geno Smith, and not just because I'm a Jets fan, and I have kind of mixed feelings about Smith. I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap. He, does, he did have uh, 41 total turnovers, I think, in his two years as a starter for the Jets. So that's not very good. He was kind of a turnover machine. But he also did some good things. And we got to remember, like, those were his first two seasons in the NFL. Okay, so I don't know if we can say he's terrible just because in his first two seasons he wasn't very good. Uh, now we just need to see, like, 
who's he throwing to in this game? You know, is, does Evan Ingram kind of get back on track? If Sterling Shepard is, is healthy, can, you know, can Geno Smith move the offense at all? I mean, that's, that's what we need to look at. Um, you know, he started 29 games for, for Rex Ryan's Jets in 2013 and 2014. So he's only had one start since then, and he tore his ACL since then. So we've not seen a lot of Geno Smith lately. So. Isn't he just a placeholder until they can put the rookie in? Yeah, save his web. Yeah, I kind of think so. Is this so. really going to tell us anything from a fantasy vantage point? No, it's more just like, well, okay. This is, this is like a nostalgia pick for I think you. you <laughs> might you and Ben McAdoo might be the only people who need to see more of Geno Smith over these yeah. final five games. My, my, you know, my theory about that, because I was saying, like, I don't, I don't understand the big, you know, I— I think there's a little bit more hand-wringing over the benching of Eli Manning than is really necessary. I mean, he hasn't been very good. The Giants are 2-9. and nine. It's only reasonable for them to want to see what else they have in the roster. Then the question was, well, why would you, if, if that's the case, then why bench for Geno Smith? Right. Here, what I think might be happening is here is they don't, yeah, they don't want the rookie Davis Webb to be, quote-unquote, the man who replaced Eli Manning, right? They don't want him to have to face the New York media all week with questions about that. So make Geno Smith that guy. Make Geno Smith the guy who replaced Eli Manning. And then Davis Webb could be the guy who replaced Geno Smith, a much more low-pressure spot for the rookie. But in the meantime, I don't think it's out of the question that Smith plays pretty well here. I mean, the Raiders certainly are, uh, don't present a tough, tough challenge on defense, so I am interested in see how they fare. Jeff, I understand you're watching some quarterbacks with some actual promise this week. Uh, well, I guess that's debatable, uh, at least on one side. I, I'm watching the Niners-Bears game, uh, which sounds pretty painful when I say it out loud. Uh, <laughs> but there's a decent chance that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will start this game for the Niners after coming in in relief of an injured C.J. Beathard. Uh, Garoppolo, who was once referred to on this podcast as the handsome guy uh, by Deads when he couldn't remember his, his name. Uh, no, sorry, the hunky. Was it hunky? hunky? I think that was it. Yeah, it might have been it. I took... I took exception to Hunky. Uh, he's uh, if he plays, not just maybe sort of the stretch run here, seeing sort of how that offense functions, but I just think both him and Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears rookie quarterback, getting a little bit of a sense, even going into next year. Okay, what sort of what do we make of the various options, uh, the two of them as as fantasy quarterbacks, but also the the other players that are around them. Uh, to, to, I think it's almost sort of a little advanced research. I don't know if you're going to get much out of it for this year, but uh, both intriguing talents, um, and, and it'll just be interesting to see uh, how the offenses function. And I'm watching the Packers and the Bucks, two teams on the outside looking in at the playoff picture, but a potential fantasy points bonanza in this one. We get to see, one, whether Brett Hundley's performance last week against the Steelers was for real. He looked like a competent quarterback against the Steelers, and he threw to somebody besides Devontae Adams finally. And then the report that Jameis Winston could return for the Bucks, um, Expected to return. Expected to return, which is big, especially against an awful Packers pass defense. ESPN notes that Green Bay has allowed 30.1 fantasy points per game over the last eight weeks against wide receivers who line up on the perimeter. So despite it being kind of a, a quiet fantasy season for both Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, a potential bounce-back game with Jameis Winston back in the lineup for the Bucks. Speaking of competent quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers is slinging it 40 yards with his, his broken collar. I, I heard 50. 50, yeah. Uh, the, legends yeah. Can, the legend grows here. Yeah, uh, if he's on your waiver wire, I'd say pick him up I, if you're why, planning on Why not? If you're going to be in the fantasy playoffs, I mean, who knows? If they if they win to get to 6-6 six and six and he's cleared, like you tell me they're not going to put him in for the last four games. Yeah, and you know who's uh, really hoping uh, Jameis Winston is back in the lineup is Cameron Brait, man. That Harvard-to-Harvard connection just was <laughs> not there. I don't know what's going on with that. Like, I, Maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick is like, I want to be the only Harvard player in the NFL, thank you, but he refused to throw the ball to uh, Cameron Brait. So it be interesting to see if, if Brait gets a few more looks. 
And with that, a reminder to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Check out all of our great fantasy football content on WashingtonPost.com. And as always, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Scott S. Allen. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.